How many times have you sent messages to women and gotten zero response or maybe gotten a response and then it fizzled out immediately? Well, you need help with your banter, my friend. And that is where I come in. I am basically the world's only banter coach. I teach you and give you the hard skill of being witty and clever and fun and also emotive and vulnerable to connect with women so that they want to know you. They want to go on a date with you. I have helped so many men succeed at this. I've lost count. So if you're struggling in this department, I'm telling you, it is worth your time to go to kristinandchill.com. If I could take all the guys that I've worked with and have them yell at you and beat you up until you finally give in and say, okay, this is something I really do need to work on, I would do that. But unfortunately, I can't do that. But what I can do is I can teach you to be fast on your feet so that you can charm her socks off and even more. And if you're finding you're not even getting matches to be able to banter in the first place, I make killer profiles. I hate to brag, but they're really, really good. So if you need help with your profile, I'm here for that as well. Make 2023 not 2022 or 2021 or however long you've been struggling. And you can start doing that by going to kristinandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out The Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of The Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast. Oh my God, we're diving into so much today. We covered so many topics, but much of it is about sex. Sex, 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 which is a great topic for everybody. We talk about open sex. We talk about sparking erotic sparks between you and the women that you're dating, the women that you're in a long-term relationship with. Honestly, we cover everything this week when it comes to sex, and you are not going to want to miss this episode. So keep listening. the Ask Women podcast. I am your host, Marnie from the Wink Girl Method. I coach men on how to attract and understand women. And we are without our other host today, Kristen Carney. We might be with her. She actually got a new computer and she is locked out of Riverside, which is the program that we used to record. And she's showing me that her browser is saying she has to update her browser. So she might pop on during the show. But we don't really need her because we have somebody else who is here with us today, Zach Maxwell, who is a relationship coach, an interesting relationship coach because, and I'm just going to say this right off the bat, like you are in an open relationship, right? We use a borrowed term from Dan Savage called monogamish. So I guess you could say it's open-ish because it's not closed, but yeah, monogamish. Okay. We're a living, breathing thing. Yes. Oh, I love it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about like how to keep your sex life alive. We're going to talk about monogamy. We're going to talk about how to open up a relationship. We're going to talk about what to do if your partner wants more sex. These are all things that come up, obviously, when you are in a relationship. And the point of talking to you guys about this now and talking to Zach today is to prepare you for 
the future and really to teach you about open communication, about things that you may want or may not even know you want, but may want in the future. So Zach, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm sorry that Sally couldn't join us, but why don't you tell me a little bit about you and your company and your partnership? I want to hear, I'm like fascinated by this. I would love to. So thanks for having me, Marty. Our company is called Maxwell Coaching. It's me and my wife, Sally Maxwell. My name is Zach Maxwell. And we teach people in relationships the tools to communicate together so they can love and live more freely. And really what that means is so many people in intimate relationships don't feel free to express themselves to their partner, whether it's, I'm annoyed that you didn't clean the dishes again or that you're late to school pickup all the way to, I desire more sex, or I desire to open things up, like the whole spectrum. People don't feel that they can communicate freely to their partners. Do you know why? Sorry that I'm interrupting you, but look, why? It's so interesting because partners are supposed to be, it's an intimate relationship, right? You have sex with them, they're inside of you, or you're like allowing them to be inside. It's a very intimate situation with another person, yet we still aren't comfortable telling these people what it is we actually need and want. It's surprising when you think about it on like on paper, but yeah. in reality, it's so common that people don't feel like that they have permission to tell their partner so many things, that they're annoyed, that they're unhappy, that they're turned on, that they desire more intimacy, that they are checking that girl out. You know, at the coffee shop, the amount of secrets that people keep in their relationships is is heartbreaking, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. And why? We don't, I mean, what did you learn in school? You know, trigonometry, algebra, how to read, how to write. Where did you learn how to have a difficult conversation with your partner? Right. We learned from our parents. Most of our parents are super fucked up in their own marriages. I mean, 50% of... Our generation's parents are divorced. 70% of second marriages end in divorce. Mm -hmm. Most of those marriages that stay together are not happy, thriving, hot, erotic, you know, with erotic spark marriages. Mm -hmm. They're people who are in some form suffering with one another and staying together for the kids. And happy marriages are the exception to the rule, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so no one teaches us. Nobody teaches us. So right. we're floundering around in the dark. We attract people who are similar to our parents. And we end up keeping a lot of secrets and not feeling like we can communicate freely to our partner. And so yeah. that's the foundation of what we teach is how to communicate frequent tools and how to communicate freely. Well, so let me ask you a question. Okay, so obviously the people that come to you are open to being communicated to freely, Right. They're suffering and they want help in learning how to talk to their partner. But I would think there's a huge portion of people who are like, I don't want my partner to talk to me and I don't want to hear what they have to say. Like, do you think that that's true? Like, I love that there's so many people who seek help. Like, guys who come to me and seek help, I think are freaking amazing. Like, to be able to be that confident and say, I need help and I need help from a woman. Like, that means you are, like... Such an amazing representation of man in my eyes and in my opinion. But I would say that it's still like the 10 percenters. 
right? There's 90% of guys who are going to suffer all day long and never ask for assistance. Same thing in relationships. So I guess it's more of a thought that I'm having that's kind of sad that most people aren't actually open to asking for help. But I guess my question is, how do you do this? How do you have open communication if you're the only person who wants to have open communication in the relationship, but you still love the other person? Like, how do you do it if both partners aren't open to being open? And I don't know that there's an answer for that. I'm just like, I'm just throwing that out there as a thought. If there's two people in a relationship and only one wants to go there, wants to have the honest conversations, one of two things is going to happen to the relationship. The relationship is either going to be forced to grow So think of like a three-legged race. One person is running as fast as they can and the other person is not. Like the person who's not is going to be dragged, like they're going to fall or be dragged to the finish line. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So the relationship is going to be forced to grow because one person is forcing it to grow or the relationship is not going to survive. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. So basically, in order to be happy in a relationship, you have to get uncomfortable and speak. That's really what it sounds like. Or both of you can be blissfully ignoring everything, right? Well, that's kind of the state of modern relationships these days is, first of all, people people generally figure out how to get what they want. They just figure out how to do it in secret. So either you got to have two types of of people in intimacies. You've got the people who are suffering and just resigned to their suffering, like this is the way it is. Yeah. Or you've got people who are suffering and they're going to do something about their suffering but lie about it to their partner. Right. And then you've got the 10% or maybe less of people who are saying, hey, I'm suffering, I need help. Okay. So then what's the first step after you realize that you're suffering to starting these kinds of open conversations? with your partner. And actually, I'm going to ask an additional question. How do you set this up so that you can? Like even in dating, right? How do you set this up before things get a little heavy that you understand that relationships rely on communication and openness is healthy? Like how do you set that up before you get serious with somebody? You live it. So if you're dating and any clients that we have that are not in relationships that we're working with in dating, it's the same principles apply. So no secrets. If you're dating off the bat and you want to make sure that you attract a partner that also shares the same value around communication as you, you have to be living that yourself. So even on a first date, are you being forthcoming about what you're looking for? about who you are, about what your values are. And you teach this all the time, right? Men who are on dates, if you're on a first date, instead of saying, hey, I agree with everything that you're saying, woman that I want to like me, are you being authentically honest about your values and about what you're looking for, even if it's not a right fit or if she might disagree with you? So it starts really like the minute you meet somebody is I am grounded in who I am and in what my values are and what my boundaries are. And I'm going to communicate them to whoever I'm with, if it's a first date or if I'm with my partner for 10 or 15 years. It's actually about giving yourself permission to live that way. What about having a conversation? 
let's say somebody that you're dating or somebody that actually is your partner, because I would say most people learn these things from past relationships or from upbringing, mm-hmm. right? It's don't bring these things up because then X, Y, and Z happens. Don't bring these things up because we, we get into a fight for the next two days. Don't bring these things up. These are all these rules that we make for ourselves. I, I have certain programming from the beginning of my relationship with my husband. I was 24 when I met him. Right. So, you know, my brain wasn't fully formed yet. And I still made my programming and my decisions based on things that I was experiencing, which now I would totally do different. So now there's a lot of undoing that's being done in our relationship, which is wonderful that we're both willing to do that. But yeah. if I hadn't had this past programming, we wouldn't have had these things going on in the first place. So how do you actually like tackle it in the moment at the beginning? What's the conversation to be had? Is it you talking about who you are and how you want a relationship to be? Is it telling the other person that, you know, as hard as it is, I want to hear everything from you. I'd rather hear things than not hear things. But here's how to approach the conversation with me. Like, what are some guidelines for people on how to navigate this space? Well, both of those examples that you you gave are spot on. It's exactly that. I want to live transparently. I have this belief that healthy relationships require communication. And so I'm the type of person that wants to have any conversation, any conversation is on the table, even if it's difficult, even if it's scary, or even if it makes me jealous, or even if it gives me a window into a part of you that you think I might not like. I want that kind of transparency. So that's the foundation of how I want to be in relationships. Do you want to be that way with me? And will you allow me to be that way with you? Exactly. Okay. Well, then. Let's go two steps in. Let's say there are things that you don't want to hear that you've said, be open with me. And she comes back and she says, I really want to date other guys while I'm dating you, but I want to love you first. Like, what if there are things that you you don't want to hear? Because I know, you know, the one of the things that we were going to talk about is how to, you know, open up a relationship. But what if only one side of the relationship wants to open up? So there's a, bunch of different questions in there. What if one person in the relationship wants to open up versus the other person? And then the other question was, what if you don't like what you hear? Your partner tells you something that you don't like what you hear, right? So let's tackle that one first. In any relationship, whether it's a business relationship or a friendship or even a relationship with your kids, there's going to be things that you don't want to hear from your partner. We're imperfect humans and we're complex humans. So we're not binary or black and white in terms of how we think and what we feel. And so the nature of a thriving relationship actually mandates that you can hear a lot of stuff that you don't like. And you have to give your partner permission to share anything with you. And you have to give yourself permission Like, it's okay if I don't like everything my partner has to say. It's okay if I'm triggered or my feelings get hurt. It's okay for us to have that fight. You either accept it or you don't, right? That's the decision. But that's like a whole other level as well is, can you accept it, right? Can you, yeah. 
I used to always be so jealous. I'm like, I wish I was so simple. Like these simple people just seem to have a much better life. They're not bothered by as many things. And then I always question, but is that true? Or is that just what I'm seeing? And I don't actually know because there are some people who things don't bother them the same way. Or there's people who have different things that bother them than that bother you. Right. That's true. Yeah. I have yet to come across a relationship that everyone is just like, fuck, I'm good. You know, nothing. I'm good. Right. That is true. But then like, I'm trying to think of some people who are, they're just happier. (laughs) I don't know. This is all going in a different direction that I was hoping to, but (laughs) they're just things that I'm thinking about recently. Like, you know, who is happy? Who is not happy? Who's being real? Who's not being real? Are they speaking out loud? Are they not sharing? Do I, oh, you know what I mean? Like you just really never know. And that's why when we get locked in comparing ourselves to other relationships, we can't really do that. And that's why we have to look towards our own relationship and figure out how do we want to navigate this? And I think like the guidance that you've given so far is really great because it's figuring out how you want to be in a relationship. If you don't want to be open in a relationship and that's not like your definition of a relationship, then you don't have to do anything that Zach is advising right now. But if you do want to have a connected, open relationship where you guys don't keep secrets from each other, then this is the way to have the conversation so that you are more open. I will say, speaking from my own experience, my husband and I, talk about everything. I would say 90% of the things that we think in our head, we say out loud to each other. Mm -hmm. And does it make us closer than other couples? Sometimes I think it does. Does it make us sexier than other couples? Sometimes I think it doesn't. So it's interesting because we're best friends, but I wouldn't say that the things that we're sharing with each other lead to like, desire and turn on, they lead to intimacy and closeness. So the other part that I do want to talk about with you that, you know, you said that you want to talk about was how do you keep that sexy side alive? Like how do you keep your sex life strong in these long-term relationships where you are being so revealing and so open with each other and showing so much of yourself? Like how do you also make that kind of sexy? You touched upon something so spot on in your own relationship. And when you said, we share 90% of what we think, it makes us closer. It increases our intimacy, but it doesn't make us feel sexier about one another. And what you touched upon is that intimacy and erotic desire are generally, and for the most part, inversely correlated. So as intimacy increases, erotic desire tends to decrease. Interesting. Okay. So the more safe and comfortable you feel with someone, the less passion and erotic desire you're going to feel for them. Which is exactly the truth. Like it's a truth for the beginning of dating as well, right? That's why we tell guys not to go in friendly because you're not going to spark any attraction for somebody else. A hundred percent. Hi, Kristen. I'm Zach. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Hi, Zach. So sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So Zach, please continue because this is really interesting. We're talking about how in a long-term relationship, the more intimate you become with somebody and the closeness that you have and the more sharing that you have, the sexiness decreases, right? And the desire for them decreases. So I want to hear like the magic key for keeping both up here. For the vast majority of people. Now, there are some people that, you know, their sexuality is more oriented towards 
intimacy, safety. But for the vast majority of people, the more safety and intimacy increases, the more our erotic desire for that person decreases. So the special sauce, right? How do you, in long, a long-term relationship, keep that erotic spark alive as intimacy increases? So there's a number of different ways to do this. The, the first and most important thing is that you understand what we just said. Huh, the more I feel safe with my partner, the less I may want to fuck them or the less I may mm-hmm. feel this momentum to have sex with them the way I did in the beginning of a relationship, right? So you start to really understand these different energies at work and then you compartmentalize them. So if you're in a long-term relationship, chances are you have a lot of hats that you wear, mm-hmm. especially if you have kids. Yeah. So you know when your mommy daddy hat is on or your managing the household hat or planning, you know, I don't know if you have a nanny, planning the nanny schedule hat, or we're getting from A to B, like all of the different things that you do as a couple, those are different hats than husband, wife, man, woman. So you want to really start to separate and compartmentalize different parts of your relationship so that when you come together as man, woman, husband, wife, you're leaving all that other stuff Mm-hmm. separate. That makes total sense. So, you know, my wife and I run a business together. We don't talk business on date night. We don't talk business in certain areas of our house. We'll change up the energy. Like if we were just talking business and now the day's done and it's time for us to come together as lovers, we'll go change our clothes. We'll no, you won't. You'll change a wardrobe change? Really? 100%. You'll like literally change your hat. 100%. That's interesting. 100%. Okay. Yes. Oh, how exhausting is that? <laughs> <laughs> Can I say something in regard to the safety aspect of things? Yeah. So I know as a woman who's dated a lot and, you know, I've had partners, et cetera, I understand the lack of safety, keeping a, some sort of sexual spark when you're deeper into a relationship. I understand that more than I want to actually understand it, to be honest with you. But when I'm first dating somebody, I've always, always needed to feel a sense of safety in order to proceed sexually at the beginning. And then I don't know, like I can't think of any scenario where I haven't felt safe with a guy that I've just met that I've been willing to sleep with. But there's, there is though an element of this is exciting or this is kind of maybe edgy or maybe we shouldn't do this or maybe... You know, this is something we've both been wanting to do for so long, which maybe creates a little feeling of a lack of safety. But when I talk to guys, I don't know if Marnie with her clients as well, but when I talk to guys, I always say the safer a woman feels when you're first dating, the more sexual she feels. So I don't know if I'm in complete contrast with you, but like if I'm with a guy that I don't feel safe with, not in the sense that like, I think he's going to like punch me in the face. But like in the sense that he's kind of got me a little bit. Yeah, that's a little bit different than what Zach and I are talking about. Yeah, it's the same word, but let's define safety in those two different situations differently. So for you, 100% in the initial phases of dating, you need to feel safe, like that the person you're with is not a serial killer or a rapist, or you need to know that you're safe with that person to be sexual with them. What I'm talking about safety is another way of saying it is there's less and less mystery 
the more safety increases. Right. I know yes. with my wife, I'm safe. Like she has my heart. I can share anything with her, even my deepest, darkest secrets. That kind of safety is different than I know you, it's a first date or a fifth date, and I don't know much about you, but I know that I feel safe enough to come to your apartment and sleep with you. Yeah. Maybe right? the word is more comfort, like the more comfortable that you get with yeah. somebody because you're sharing so much about yourself. So we were talking about at the beginning part of the show about sharing things with your partner and really just having an open door policy to, I'm going to tell you things that I'm thinking in my head about what I want, what I need, so that it doesn't lead to secrets and hiding right. things. And explosions. Going outside of your relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And I was saying how the more that Jordan and I talk to each other and reveal to each other, like the less sexy it becomes. So right. I like this idea of wearing the different hats and having a wardrobe change to create yeah that differentiation. It does sound exhausting to do, to go take my sweatpants and go put on another <laughs> pair of sweatpants on at the end of the night. But Well, that doesn't have to be your brand, right? And that's the tip of the iceberg. But it's, it's basically the concept of separating different energies in your relationship. Yeah. So to go take it deeper, it's erotic desire and passion is created through sexual polarity of masculine and feminine energy. And that's the case whether you're in a hetero sexual relationship yeah. or any other kind of relationship, right? So yeah. desire is created through polarity. So changing your clothes is more about creating polarity than it is about we need to change our clothes. So it's wearing the different hats, keeping certain elements of your relationship separate helps to magnetize polarity when it's time to come together as lovers. So that's one way of thinking about it. The second thing is to start to introduce erotic accelerators into your relationship. Like what? What is that? So we talk about how... Like <laughs> fights. <laughs> I mean, I've had with a recent somewhat boyfriend, I mean, like, it really was the most cliche, like best makeup sex stuff. And I, I never really experienced that. I never had that. I was always so mad. Jordan and I fight and we don't want to have sex with each other after. <laughs> Yeah, well, it would take a little while, but then once it came together, I mean, it really came yeah. together. And I was like, oh, this is, I always thought this was a man, yeah. but it is real and I miss it. You're touching <laughs> on something brilliant. And as safety and intimacy increase, erotic desire decreases, right? So as erotic desire increases, safety and intimacy should go down in that moment, yeah. right? So erotic accelerators are things like power dynamics jealousy, guilt, shame, anger, mystery, mm -hmm. distance, novelty, adventure, all of these things create erotic desire. So even something as simple as if your husband goes away for a week, yeah, don't you feel more attracted to him when he comes home? Yes, absolutely. Right. Because distance yeah. creates more mystery. It creates more novelty. It's a novel I haven't seen you in a week. And now it's newer than it was when I woke up. Yeah, there have been no socks on the floor for a week. It's been so horrible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> correct. Yeah, it's like distance makes the vagina grow wider. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, but that's interesting. Okay, so tell me more about these positive ones. Because I don't, you know, I don't want the guys who are listening to the show to rely on anger and fighting and jealousy. 
Yeah, because it sounds like it could get toxic. Well, the reason why people have such great sex, just to touch upon what Kristen said, makeup sex is because there is distance created and power dynamics created in a fight, right? You grow apart in your fight. There's distance created between you and then you come back together. It's incredibly erotic. Now, that's a dysfunctional way of creating a healthy sexual relationship. So healthy ways of doing it are to consciously use these accelerators, right? How do you use novelty? There's a spectrum that you can introduce novelty, super safe ways of introducing novelty. People tend to have a lot more sex on vacation. Mm -hmm. They're in a new place, a new setting, a new set and setting. Yeah. Right? That's a very safe way to introduce novelty. A more extreme way is to open up your relationship, bring other people into your intimate dynamics with each other. Somewhere in the middle is how maybe you guys go out to dinner and someone flirts with your partner or you flirt with your partner. And that introduces a little bit of risk, a little bit of novelty, a little bit of distance. And all of a sudden you find yourself way more attracted to your partner. I'm sorry, is this something that you would discuss beforehand so they don't think you're really, really flirting with somebody else? Or is that where the the energy comes from, is really from thinking you're flirting with someone else? It really depends on where your comfort level is, where your the edge is of like where your line is. The, here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's my edge. Here's where I what I don't want to cross. And that edge changes and evolves the more you're with somebody and the more you trust somebody. So yeah, you should definitely talk about that stuff beforehand. Here's where my edge is. Here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's what I desire to get out of this. But erotic couples really do know how to infuse their intimacy with these different energies. Interesting. That's why even something like changing your clothes, it changes the energy. All of a sudden, it's novel, right? So, you know, Sally and I have a date night every week. We relate to it like it's a sacred thing and we don't fuck with it. And we get dressed up for that date night, you know, and we don't talk about like there are certain topics that are off limits and we flirt with each other. What do you talk about? What do you talk about on your dates? Well, we don't talk about business. We generally don't talk about our kids unless we like, and if we talk about our kids, we'll make a note that we're like, we really want to talk about our kids right now, you know? So that's not like a sexy conversation. That's a conversation we'll make an exception for. We'll talk about, it'll be like a real date. We'll talk about what's going on in the world, how each other's days were, what we think about this or what we think about that or how we're feeling spiritually or politically or, you know, and we'll touch each other and we'll flirt with each other and we'll look in each other's eyes and we'll, we'll be on a, a real date with each other. I love that. I absolutely love that. I want to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about opening up your relationship and like what that means, how to do it. I just find it so interesting. So we'll be back in a moment. Please do not fast forward through our commercials from our sponsors because our sponsors are what keep us being able to do this show. So please take three minutes, listen to our sponsors, go buy something from them, whatever you want to do, but stay on for the next three minutes. And we'll be back very shortly. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already 
miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right, we are back with Zach Maxwell. What's your company called? Maxwell Coaching. Max-Well Coaching. Coaching. Okay, so Zach works with men, but him and his wife, it's your partner or your wife? It's my wife, Sally. We work with couples. Your wife? Yes. Work with couples as well. So it's Maxwell Coaching. So yes. So I want to talk a little bit more about other ways to create that erotic, what did you call it? Friction again? Erotic spark. Erotic desire. Increase erotic desire in your relationship. Erotic spark. And then I want to dive into open relationships. So what were the ways, the positive ways again? Distance. Distance. Novelty. Novelty. Risk mystery and adventure. Those are all energies that you can bring into your relationship in whatever ways work for both you and your partner that will increase your erotic desire for them. And there's so many different creative uh, ways that you can do that. So novelty is just that. It's anything that is novel that is not part of the status quo of how you guys deal with your sexual intimacy. It could be as simple as approaching sex in a different way, trying new things sexually. It could be as extreme as bringing other partners into the bedroom or as benign but as novel as watching porn together or sharing sexual fantasies that you've never shared with your partner together. All of those things are examples of novelty. Okay, I love that. Distance would be an example of, let's say you go to a party you want to play with distance. So you're both at a party. And instead of being a couple at a party, you separate at the party and you get to look at your partner from across the room, having fun and being charismatic and making friends or even being hit on or flirting with other people. And you get to use the power of that distance to increase your erotic desire for your partner. And it works. It works like rocket fuel, actually. Yeah, oh, for sure. I have experience with that. I was with a boyfriend and we were at a party and I was talking to a bunch of other guys because I knew a bunch of other guys there. And I wasn't expecting it and I didn't really think much of it. But next thing I knew, I don't know, he wanted to take me somewhere near the bathroom. (laughs) And it was like, what? I, I was like, oh, the bathroom's over there. And he like just, pulled me into other, I mean, it was like, yeah. And it was, I created a distance. I didn't do it on purpose. Yep. And it was really, really, really sexy. I'm sure. I'm sure it was super hot. Fun fact, a man will ejaculate 
twice the amount that he normally does after he finds out that his partner has been cheating on him. What? Yep. Oh my God. Only once that happens or continuously? Like, how does that, like, how does that happen? I'm never cheating because I don't want to clean up that mess. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that. I don't know if it's like every time, but it's called sperm competition. It's, a, it's like there's, there's all this research done on it. There's a book called Sex at Dawn. Yeah. It's a science book that talks about this phenomenon of how this works biologically for men. That's so crazy. So your experience, Kristen, makes total sense to me. And so couples can play with this stuff consciously. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's have examples of the other ones. I want to hear more. So risk, risk and novelty are similar in that sense, but risk would be anything that couples would define as risky. So even having sex in the bathroom of a restaurant could feel like risky. You know what I mean? Taboo. Trying something new together in the bedroom could also feel risky, not just novel. So risk and novelty kind of work together in that way. And adventure is the same thing. It's we're doing something that is pushing us to grow as a couple. We are thinking of things in new ways. We're sharing things with each other in new ways that we might have not that have not shared before. We're trying new things together. They all go hand in hand in that way. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So anything that both of you would feel would be adventurous, would be risky, would be mysterious. And these are conversations that we encourage couples to have with each other underneath these umbrellas, right? What would feel mysterious to you? What would feel risky or novel to you? What would be exciting and different for you, right? And how you know that you're doing that is we all know the feeling of what it feels like to be with someone for the first time, right? You get butterflies in your stomach. You don't know what it's going to be like. So if you're doing this right, you might feel a little nervous. You might feel butterflies in your stomach. You might feel maybe even a little bit jealous, a little bit possessive, like all of those things that come up for people in the beginning of relationships when safety and security aren't there can start to come up for them when they're doing this practice with each other. I love that. And that will infuse erotic desire that will bring that erotic spark back into the relationship in a way that people can sometimes feel is lost forever, but it's not. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is like, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this. And I'm thinking about my own relationship and like actually how we handle these things. It's interesting. So I coach men. I'm very forceful <laughs> with my ideas. If I were to bring these things up at dinner, to be honest, I think he would shut down from it. He'd come back later and have a conversation with me about it. But I, I know I can be a lot at times and I know that he would shut down, which is why people like you are amazing because whenever my husband and I go to a third party to talk about these things, that's where he's extremely open. Having somebody else ask these questions other than me, that's when he's open to this stuff. I'm not really sure what that says about our relationship, but he is open when it's somebody else saying that. So just for guys who are listening, like feelers might have different comfort levels. They might have different aggression levels, different openness levels. It can be intimidating sometimes for the other partner. So sometimes it is helpful to bring in like a third person where everything can be taken down 
just a notch for everybody and neutralize it so that these conversations can be had. Have you actually, have you found that in a lot of the people that you work with as well? A hundred percent. I find that in almost every single couple that I work with. So people are entrenched in their patterns and, di- and their dynamics with each other. And when you have a third person, an, an objective third person like myself get into the mix, none of those dynamics or patterns are present in my relationship with yeah. whoever it is I'm coaching. So it's not triggering. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not triggering. Exactly. And it's coming from an educated place rather than a place where your partner's suggesting it. And so all of your history with them is present in that conversation and it can be massively triggering. Yeah. 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 That's extremely helpful because it, it's interesting because I used to always, whenever I would have people come onto the podcast, right, interview people and they would talk about, you know, this openness that you can have. And I'm, I was always like, I can't do that in my relationship. It doesn't work the same way. Not because my husband is closed off, but because as you just said, we get triggered in certain ways and then you close off and having that third person there is very helpful. Sorry, I just took it on the side tangent, but I think that was an important piece of information to mention as well, just for, for guys who are listening who may have tried these things in the past or have had their wives, ex-wives come to them in the past and maybe they've shut down. Like having a third party helping you with these conversations is sometimes really helpful. Also establishing it in the very beginning so that you don't have all of these things that are triggering later on in the relationship. I do want to, you know, dive into open relationships for the last little bit of this show because it's always been something that fascinates me. I don't believe that I am equipped to have an open relationship. I don't even have a curiosity for it, to be honest, but I'm fascinated by people who who do and who do it really well because the people that I have interacted with who do have open relationships. And sometimes just one person is open, the other person isn't. They seem to have a really, really nice relationship. And so I just, I wanted to just hear a bit more about it, really with no questions yet, but just like understand a bit more about it and like really maybe help the guys who are listening on if it is something that does interest them, how to even bring that up as a topic to the other person that you're seeing or in a relationship with. Fantastic. I think the best way to dive into that conversation is we have really black and white definitions in our culture these days about what relationships are. So monogamy is a very black and white definition in most people's minds. Open is a very black and white definition in people's minds. And what my wife and I teach is to throw all of that stuff in the garbage and recognize that A relationship, just like a human being, is a living, breathing organism that is changing all the time and evolving all the time. If you have two living, breathing things that are changing and evolving all the time and you bring them together, shouldn't that unity also be changing and evolving all the time? Yeah. Right. So an open relationship can be defined as anything that is not monogamous. And what we teach people is to think of their relationship as a living, breathing thing where any conversation is allowed to be brought to the table. So what one person's open relationship looks like is going to be completely different than another person's open relationship. And when I say that these definitions are super black and white is when when most people think of open, they think, 
oh, well, my partner just goes out and fucks whoever they want and I can go do that and do whatever I want. And how does that work? And that's just one example of a relationship that's open. What about two people that are monogamous 99% of the time and once a year they have sex with somebody else or they go to Burning Man and they have a group experience? What about couples that allow each other to flirt with other people, but it stops there? There are so many different ways to allow room for the other. And each one of those ways is going to be unique to the two individuals in a relationship and their particular needs at any given time. Does that all make sense? Yeah, no, it it makes 100% sense. And I think the other thing that's really important to think about open relationships, because we hear it all the time, open relationships just don't work. I could never be in an open relationship, is you have to have a real understanding of monogamy in today's day and age. And monogamy is not working so well either for most people. So the BBC came out with an article in the last couple of years, I forget if it was in 2020 or 2019, but estimates that up to 75% of modern relationships have some form of infidelity. 75%. That's a lot. Of those 25% of relationships that don't, how many of those people would rate their sex life a 10 out of 10? Right. You know, the amount of sexless marriages that end up as our clients is heartbreaking. Yeah. So monogamy isn't working so well either. And so we have to start to think about paving a new path in our modern relationships. And how to do that is not by adhering to some set binary form, like I already said. It's about understanding that we are here in this relationship to grow and evolve as a couple and as individuals. And how do we do that? We do that by allowing space for each one of us to grow and change and to give each other room to do that, right? My wife and I were monogamous for 10 years. And none of us ever cheated. And then we got to a place where we understood that in order for us to deepen our own love for each other, as well as our own experience of being autonomous humans, we had to change our sexual contracts. And this was brought up by both of you. Like, was one person driving this conversation and the other person like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Or was it something both of you were thinking about? So in most cases, one person is going to be driving that conversation more than the other. Unless you get two people who both know beforehand that monogamy is not for them. And that's actually, it's a great example of the way that it is in any other area of a relationship is usually both people in an intimacy are not perfectly matched about anything. Right. Right. One person generally likes sushi more than the other person. One person generally likes this sex position more than the other person or works more than the other person. Right. And sex is, is not different. But for some reason, 
that is a super triggering thing for people. It's like, well, one person wants this more than the other. And I get it. It's because that can be can trigger a lot of jealousy, can trigger a lot of feelings of inadequacy, but mm-hmm. it's not actually different than any other area. Right. So one person is usually the driver generating that, driving that ship more. But in successful open relationships, there's an understanding of why. Like primary, there's an understanding of why that helps deal with the fact that there's an imbalance in who wants it more than the other. Okay. So when you and your wife first started talking about this, one of you was driving the conversation and the Mm -hmm. other person obviously got on board and now you feel the same way. So how does it look for the two of you? Like what, what is open for you and your wife? And is it the same definition? So the rules are the same for both, but who exercises them? There's more of a desire on one of our parts than the other to like exercise the rules than the other one. And that is perfectly fine. And then that also can change and evolve again. Right. Right. So that's not fixed either. And that never leads to like, not bitterness, never leads to, hmm, you have a stronger desire. Now I'm going to have a stronger desire. Like, or is it not? Is it like, I'm just trying to understand how you navigate this without hurt feelings in any way, like how you just navigate this. It doesn't compute for me. So the notion that you can navigate anything without hurt feelings in a relationship is, it's like a silly one, right? Like navigating your marriage without one of your feelings getting hurt about something, like this doesn't happen. Doesn't happen, you're right. So like feelings can get hurt about how you're parenting your children or why didn't you, you forgot what I asked you to get at the grocery store again? What the fuck? Do you listen to me when I, when I talk to you? Yeah, you don't care about what I think. Right, exactly. Right. It's the same as any other area. It's the same as any other area. So I want to say something about possibly introducing the conversation. I, in a past relationship, had a boyfriend say that he had engaged with two women one being his girlfriend and one being another woman. And that opened up the conversation. He said he had done it in the past. And so it wasn't him saying, I'm going to go on my own and do this, or I've never, it's, it wasn't saying he's gone on his own and done it. And then, she, you know, his girlfriend had gone, gone on her own and done it. But he introduced the idea of a partner in the bedroom. He wasn't asking me, he just told me about his experience. So It wasn't like he was saying, would you be willing to do this? He just said, I've done this in the past. And so I said, that's not really my thing. I said, but, you know, if we were together for a long time and, you know, it started to get boring, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it, but I'm definitely not open to it right now. And so that's how we kind of entered into that conversation. And then from there, we both were in agreement in that we didn't think we would be okay doing it separately on our own. And so it just naturally gravitated to that conversation. And so I feel like that could be a way in. And I think because it was already kind of just natural flow, if he had said at some point, then would you be open to maybe doing it on your own and I going on my own in that 10 year span or something like that, it wouldn't feel so insulting or hurtful. 
I don't know if that's a blanket like piece of advice for everybody, you know, to apply because it's very situation specific, but it was a very gentle way to have a conversation about stuff that could have maybe hurt my feelings. Like, oh, you're bringing up being with your ex-girlfriend and, and another girl because maybe you're trying to hint to me I'm not enough. It didn't feel that way at all. It felt like he was sharing his own history, mm-hmm. his own background, yeah. his own life. And so I felt safe. I didn't feel insulted. I didn't feel like he was hinting that I wasn't enough. And yeah, it was a really just smooth way to have the conversation without her feelings. Yeah. I think a good way of thinking about this, and, and that makes sense that that was a really smooth, good way of having the conversation, is let's remove this idea of that we want to have this conversation without hurting our partner's feelings or triggering feelings of inadequacy or jealousy. It's perfectly okay to deal with feelings of inadequacy and jealousy and hurt feelings in relationships. And in order for relationships to really reach their, like go deeper and deeper into their potential, those are all opportunities for growth. So if someone wants to introduce the concept of opening up a relationship and that makes the other person jealous or feel inadequate, that then becomes an opportunity for the relationship to get stronger by dealing with those issues head on rather than, ah, I don't want to bring this up to my partner because it could really hurt her feelings. Right, right. You know? Right. The girl, you just want to immediately be like, am I ugly? Are my boobs too small? You know, like you naturally kind of want to go there. Of course. And I mean, yes, my boobs are too small. So of course (laughs) you'd want to introduce someone into the dynamic so there could be boobs involved. I understand. (laughs) Well, those are really wonderful conversations to have because most of the reasons why we want to open up a relationship have nothing to do with our partner. I always knew that monogamy was not something that I could do. And that wasn't because my wife isn't everything that I, you know, would want in a woman. She absolutely is. But this concept of that one person should be everything to us sets so many relationships up to fail. And I think about it, with, I have little kids. I have a three and a half year old daughter. And if I said to her, okay, sweetheart, tell me what your favorite toy is of all the toys that you have. And she would say, Bear Bear. And I would say, okay, you can only play with Bear Bear for the rest of your childhood. <laughs> and if you want to play with another toy, it means that you don't love Bear Bear. <laughs> Like, that would be an insane thing to tell a child. (laughs) It would be, but the truth is, I don't like Bear Bear as much. I'm going to go look (laughs) at another toy. Like, really, at the heart of it, it's, this toy doesn't excite me as much anymore. But the interesting thing is now you play with something else, and now it does excite me. Now it's interesting to me. But, like, I hear everything that you're saying. I guess I'm just thinking about my own nature of, what's the truth behind my words? The truth is, is, like, you're not doing it for me anymore, right? But your partner's not not doing it. Well, I don't know the, the nuances of your marriage, but for most people, it's not that their partner isn't doing it for them anymore. It's that just being with the same person only yeah. isn't right. doing it for them anymore because how could that do it for them forever? Right. 
in a sense, it's the same concept as eating the same dinner every single night for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Even though you love that dinner, you love that meal. But it is true. When you switch it up and you have something else, you're craving that same meal again. You do, you go back to it. So yeah. 100%. That has been my experience. It has being with others has only reinforced how epically great Sally and I both have it with each other. Do you guys go out separately to be with other people or do you do it together and bring a, a person in? It is mostly together. It is mostly together. So interesting. Because yes. I know that, well, we don't have to talk about what, what we've talked about in the past, but like, that's also a challenge, like going out as a couple, because how do you know who's open to it? We're going to have another episode all about that because that's interesting too because I feel like you now know how to navigate that, right? Yeah, for sure. And also with your help and everything that Sally and I have learned from you, it's helps tremendously. <laughs> See, I can help with a couple as well, which is amazing. No, but I, okay, I want to talk about that for a whole other episode because I think that that, whether or not it's interesting to the people who are listening, it'll be interesting for me because I, I think... I think that's just so fascinating. Like, how do you go up out as a couple and like flirt with one person and bring them home? Like, that is amazing. Yeah. I was asked once to join a couple. I was, I, yeah. Really? I feel like I don't look like the person someone would ask, but I immediately was like, do I look like a weirdo? <laughs> like, do I give out weirdo vibes? <laughs> I'm like, I need to act like a little bit more normal. I think you have open vibes. It's interesting. I could see why you would be approached. That's interesting. Because you probably think about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's not really my thing. I, I'm like a little too neurotic. But may, I mean, maybe, yeah. who knows, you know. Me too. I want to be the main attraction. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. But maybe you would be for those two people. You yeah. probably would be. You'd be treated like a queen, probably. Yeah, so maybe you should be open to it again. Very likely. It's likely that that would be the case. See, this show has opened your eyes, Kristen. Next time, no, closed. say yes. They're closed. Oh, God, they're closed. Don't look. <laughs> Zach, thank you so much for coming onto the show and talking with us and just like opening our eyes to so many things that I've never really talked about a lot before on the show or just in general. But thank you so much for coming on. I'm sad Sally wasn't here because I would have loved to have her on as well. Well, we can have her on next time. Okay. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Tell people again where to go and find out more information about you because it's Maxwell Coaching, but it's the website. So... You can find us at max-well, so M-A-X-W-E-L-L-coaching.com. Okay. And if you're interested in working with either of us, if you're a couple or if you're single and dating, we work with people dating as well who are looking for love. And uh, But we work with a lot of couples as well in their marriages, in their intimacies. Yeah. You can just fill out a form and apply for coaching and we'll see if we're a right fit for you. And we okay. also, we write a column every other Friday, a relationship coaching column for the Aspen Daily News. And you can Very cool. find that on Aspen Daily News website. Very cool. Okay. I love it. Thank you for coming on. And Kristen, thanks for popping in. Glad you got on. Your browser was updated. Brand new computer. Congrats. I just got this computer and this computer, it's a long story, but it caused I'm a lot sure. of havoc in my life I'm getting sure. this new computer. Won't go into it, of course, but just installed Google Chrome about a month and a half ago and all of a sudden it needs an update and then it wouldn't update. The whole thing, you know, it's how things go for me. Well, glad you got on and told us about you being approached to have an open relationship. I think it's fantastic. I'm glad I got to hear that little tidbit about you. Yeah. I'm a closeted, exciting person, maybe. <laughs> Seriously. Exactly. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please don't go and download individual episodes. Please subscribe to the show so that you can take that time to go out there and be adventurous in your sex life. Be mysterious, be novel, be a risk taker. Do all the fun things that we've talked about on this podcast. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. 